0: after a lot of deliberation, that the winner of the Great British Bake Off 2016 is... Coordinated Strike. Welcome to Coordinated Strike. As always, I'm your host, Joe. We have a fantastic show for you today. On today's show, we're going to be talking about tips, tricks, tactics with the Jibbering Horde's Allegiance Starter Box. Now, we've talked about this box before. We're going to go a little more in-depth. We're going to talk about its matchup into the other three starter boxes and a little bit of talk on the mirror. Uh, we're also going to talk about how it interacts with the four operations that are available to you in uh, Toss First uh, Edition. Uh, the main rule book. So we're going to go ahead talk about that, chat about that. We're going to get um, intimate with this particular box set. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's going to probably smell like fish in here. So go ahead, keep it away from the microwave. It's a brand-new coordinated strike. We'll be back right after a word from our sponsors. I don't know what I like best about Gorton's crunchy fish sticks and fillets. What goes into them or what doesn't? What goes into them is lots of mild, flaky white fish with a delicious crunch. That's what I like, Mom. What doesn't go into them is any preservatives, absolutely none. Mom, five seconds. With Gorton's, I really feel good about what they're eating and what they aren't. Gorton's Crunchy Fish Sticks and Filets, absolutely no preservatives. And Mom, no leftovers. Trust the Gorton's fishermen. That's right, folks. No preservatives, 100% fishmen. So, back to the topic at hand, we are talking about, of course, the Allegiance starter box for the Jibbering Hordes. What comes in the starter box, you might ask, and you would be right to ask this because you need to know the contents. You're going to get uh, the commander for the Jibbering Hordes, which is the Storm Siren. You're going to get two units of Striped Skulkers and one unit of Karkanoi. And these guys are all pretty cool. Uh... They are a little bit different box set than you're used to. Uh, the two mainline infantry are 7 points. Uh, most of the other mainline infantry in the uh, other factions are 9 points. Um, with the Jibbering Hordes, they really don't have a hyper-expensive unit. Their most expensive unit is also in this box. It's the Karkanoi, uh, uh, clocking in at 8 points. So, a little bit different approach to value building in this particular box. Additionally, the assets for the Gibbering Horde tend to be on the more expensive side, particularly the native uh, asset for the Storm Siren comes in at two with the Conch Shell. So we learn quite a bit uh, about this faction immediately from the box set in that its infantry are going to be cheap Its elite units are going to be a bit more expensive, and it's going to play a very different game. And so we're going to go ahead and take a look at all of that as we approach the box sets. The first thing we're going to look at are the Stripe Skulkers. Now Stripe Skulkers are, are again, like I say, a, a little bit different unit. For mainline infantry, they are seven cost. They are seven script. So they're a little bit cheaper than the other units that they're going to be fighting against. What kind of makes up for this lack in statistics that accompanies the lower stat line is Endless Number. Now, Endless Number is the ability on the Allegiance card for Jibbering Hordes that allows these units to be resummoned back the turn after their final fire team has been eliminated from the game. So they have a, a real niche in recursion. And there are some assets that we'll talk about and ways to support this kind of line of play but the Stripe Skulker themselves also have uh, a fairly strong ability so they have these things are everywhere and what these things are everywhere states is that the unit this unit may use endless numbers to summon anywhere on the table that is not in the opponent's deployment zone but it may not use endless numbers to move after doing so so, what Empress Endless Number normally lets you do is at the start of the turn, you may discard a tactics token to summon one friendly non-commander gibbering horde squad that was killed on the previous turn. The squad that is summoned in your deployment zone in base contact with any table edge with no assets. It may immediately move up to twice its speed. You may summon any number of killed squads in this way. So. You can do a, a quite a bit of recursion with Endless Number. Now, what these things are everywhere does is it takes the, they deploy in your deployment zone and then immediately move twice their speed. It takes that part of it out for these guys. What they can do instead is they can be deployed anywhere on the table. They just can't move. Now we're going to go ahead and, and analyze this ability with Adaptive Camouflage. And this is another ability that's on the front of their card. Again, non-gloried side. It's also on their gloried side. And that is when a un- when a fire team from this unit is in base contact with terrain. Important base contact it doesn't have to be in it, it; just has to be touching it. It flips two cards for opposed duels and chooses one, discarding the other. So it's any de- opposed duel. So it's any duel that they're doing and any duel that is being done to them, in which they are defending. So if they're actively defending, they're in an opposed duel. If they're actively attacking, they're in an opposed duel. It's any time both players are going to have an opportunity to modify their, their cards is really when this comes in. So what is their base stat line? Their base stat line is Speed 6, Defense 5, 3 Willpower, 5 Armor. So we've talked a lot in the previous episode about Abyssinia, and we also kind of touched on the stat lines for the other units in the game. Armor 5 is really the huge weakness that you have in the Stripe Skulkers. They are the lowest armor of any of the starting units uh, for any of the box sets. Uh, They are tied with the Infiltrators for that particular distinction, and for Mainline Infantry, they are absolutely the lowest. I mean, they're two points lower than average armor for the rest of the starting boxes. So, Armor 5 is really their weakness. It's mitigated a bit by Adaptive Camouflage, only because their defensive five is going to act more like an effective six. And because they're about two points cheaper, and you can do the recursion with these things are everywhere, they're fairly costed, and they're they're a good inclusion for the starter box. And so while you may feel a bit outmatched, understand that the intention is you're going to weaken them, they're going to kill you off, and then you're going to be able to come back and really start winning that attritional battle over time in the game. So, what is their attack stat? Their attack stat is 5 versus defense, 2-inch reach with sharp teeth. They are strength 3, so again, we have our magic number of strength 3. And 5 is a little bit sub what we've seen on some of these more elite units. But they do have a a trigger, Venomous, on Crows. So this action immediately gains piercing. Again, this is on their non-Gloried side. They are a 100-millimeter base. You get three of them in a squad. And you get three of them per base, so they are nine wound unit for seven points. So we get a bit more value out of our starting infantry than everybody else does, because ours cost a little bit less. While they are not as versatile as some of our opponent's infantry, they do have greater recursion, and they do have the ability to be placed exactly where I need them to be if they have died. So... Some interesting synergy there and some interesting thought can come out of how to utilize these units into the other units. So let's go ahead and take a look at their Gloried side. When they Glory, they go up one speed, so they go to speed 7. Again, stay at defense 5, stay at willpower 3, and then they advance in armor, so they go to armor 6. They retain adaptive camouflage, so again, they're still flipping 2 when they're touching terrain in opposed duels. And then uh, these things are everywhere, still is, still is there, but they gain an additional one which is huge, which is ambush. When taking an attack action that targets a fire team in base contact with terrain, the target may not cheat fate during that duel. So you can help prevent your opponent from having a big part of their, uh, their game plan go off if the opponent is utilizing cover against you and you're in glory. If they're doing that, if they're touching terrain at all, and remember, you can help produce terrain uh, with some of your stratagems, with the storm, uh, storm Siren, which we'll talk about here shortly, her ability to move them. You can deny them the ability to use the cards in their hand in these duels, which makes your lower stats more effective. Speaking of making your lower stats more effective, Sharp Teeth gains the Crow. So your Crow becomes built in. Uh, it retains its Strength 3. It is venomous, uh, again, which the action immediately gains piercing. So the on the glory side, the attacks are automatically piercing. And you're gaining a margin trigger wave after wave take this action again on a margin of 5. So the interaction here is that ambush prevents your opponent from cheating. They can still modify and they can still use tactics tokens, but those are more expensive resources, really, than cheating cards out of your hand in a lot of cases... And you can you can cheat with more impunity because you're only up against what they can do from a tactics token standpoint. You can try and buy that additional action fairly easily. Then they also have a tactical action, fade into the surroundings. It's a 6 with a crow built in versus 12. Place this fire team anywhere on the table. If there are any other fire teams in this unit, this unit must still remain in formation. And then a crow, it has a crow. Let's kill this fire team. This unit gains a reinforcement token. So this is a way to help get that unit off the board if your opponent has left it on one fire team. This is a way to just kill it out. You go ahead and kill kill the unit uh, in this way, and then you can bring it back at fuller health in an area that is more helpful to you to help to to deny the opponent uh, gaining additional points off of it uh, in some way in an operation. Again, not highly recommended in Pitched Assault, although it may be beneficial to do this if uh, you are outside of a marker or somebody is going to pull you into a marker in the following turn. So you can sometimes save a point doing that. It's a little more of an advanced strategy. So what are, what are the Stripe Skulkers? To me, the Stripe Skulkers are exceedingly good. Uh, their ability to gain additional cards on the attack uh, and even on the defense helps raise their stat line uh, without costing you resources. That's big. That means you can utilize your resources for a lot of other things. And additionally, your commander tends to generate more resources than your opponent's commanders do. And so that gives you a bit of a, of a leg up, even though your mainline infantry, the one that you're getting two of, is a little bit lesser cost and a little bit less effective or versatile than your opponent's. You're banking up for that by your ability to recur them through endless number and in the interaction with these things are everywhere and the way that, and how strong these are in glory. So, speaking of glory, I want to talk about the glory engine for the box set. And the glory engine for the box set really comes out of the second unit, the one that you're getting one of. What in the other boxes has been a lower-cost support unit, in Jibbering Hordes, this is one of the most expensive... This is the most expensive squad that they have, actually, are the Karkanoi. Now, Karkanoi are base speed 7, defense 5, willpower 4, armor 7. So these guys sound a bit more like... You know, stronger infantry. And you're correct. They have hunger. Uh, Units in this, fire teams in this unit gain plus one AV to their actions for each reinforcement token on this unit to a max of three. This means if they have a reinforcement token on them, all of their attack stats, their active stats for actions, go up by one to a maximum of three for each of the reinforcement tokens that's on them. To a maximum of three. So scything claws starts at a base of five versus defense two and reach strength three. So it sounds exceedingly similar to the attack that we just talked about from the striped skulkers, but it gets better. Or it goes to strength four if this unit has any reinforcement tokens on it. And on a crow, the feeding this unit gains reinforcement token. So you can go ahead and start buffing this unit up through attack. That's pretty, that's pretty strong and pretty amazing. Additionally, they have a tactical action. When I talk about fueling the glory for this particular starter box, these guys really do with the spawning. Now the spawning is an acting value of 5 versus 14. You summon an egg clutch in base contact with the squad. What is an egg clutch, you ask? It's not in the box. Well, it might not be in the box, but it's something you can definitely utilize, particularly as a way to get to glory. So an Egg Clutch is a speed 0, defense 2, 10 well power, 4 armor, squad, single fire team. It has just some eggs. This unit may be deployed or summoned from the Endless Number ability anywhere on the table because it is a squad. It is a single fire team squad. Has nom nom nom. If this if this fire team is killed by the survival of the fittest ability, discard the top two cards of your fate deck. If either of them is a ram, the friendly fire team gains a reinforcement token. Additionally, it has hatch, which is a tactical action four versus eleven. This unit flips to glory. Then its activation ends. So we're going to talk a bit about the egg clutch and why you need to have at least some 40 millimeter markers ready for you to go ahead and utilize to flip to glory off of the summoning of these because it's virtually critical to playing gibbering hordes. I would virtually argue that the starter box should be purchased along with a single egg clutch box because the egg clutch is going to come with four markers for you. So that out of the way, you're going to summon these guys up Then you are going to eat them. The squads will eat them to flip to glory through survival of the fittest. They're then going to use that nom, nom, nom. You'll flip those two cards, help thin your deck a bit, and potentially get reinforcement tokens on your units, which make them more viable. So what do the Karkanoi look like in glory? Well, they look pretty darn good. They go up to speed 8. Defense 5, they go up to Willpower 5, they stay at Armor 7, they retain Hunger. Uh, Scything Claws gets a few more triggers. It gets a trigger on a Ram. Uh, This action immediately gains the Piercing value, and Piercing lets you flip two cards on damage uh, and pick one of them. It's very retain the Feeding, which again, this unit gains a Reinforcement Token on a Crow, and then on a Mask, Relentless Assault. Discard a Reinforcement Token to take this action again incredibly awesome. When they go to glory for the spawning, which is the one we just talked about where they can make an egg clutch, on a margin of three, you get to summon an additional egg clutch in base contact with this fire team, so you're going to summon two instead of one. Pretty awesome. Then they get regenerate segments. Uh, It is a magical action. It is a 7 versus 13. This unit reinforces. Now to reinforce, you must have a reinforcement token on you. And then you're able to return two models to a unit. Now, if you reinforce during your activation, which this would be, your activation immediately ends. So you would do this as your last action on the last fire team to go in this unit to get maximum value. Additionally, uh, you get assault, which is on a margin of three, a fire team created as a result of this of the reinforcement. May take a claw action. So this is an instance where the card is going can allow you to break the rules a little bit. Uh, if you are returning a fire team, that fire team can immediately take a uh, a melee action if, if it if a melee action if you have something in range for it to take a melee action on. So pretty strong synergy there. so, What we see in the box set from the infantry standpoint that comes with it is you are going to get a vector to get all of your things to glory without weakening your force overall. So Jirving Hordes is about getting to glory quickly. It's then about trying to win an attritional battle in a lot of cases because your stuff is a little cheaper than your opponent's. Your opponent's stuff is going to be better. You do not have ranged attacks. You are going to be about getting to your opponent closing on them and killing them out as quickly as possible. Now, you don't have range attacks, but you do have access to some pretty strong manipulation of your opponent. So they're not going to be able just to sit back upon you. Uh, One, because the scenarios, the operations in the other side don't allow you to just kind of sit back and shoot somebody to death and just win. That's not what this game's about. This game is about rapid maneuver and pressure, from interesting utilization of your fire teams and opponents. It's not about sitting back. If you sit back, you're going to get crushed in the operations, and in pretty much every case. So, we have a melee-centric force, which means you need to enclose with your enemy as rapidly as possible. Well, your commander is set up to help you do that. So, enter the storm Siren. Uh, The Storm Siren is an incredible commander in her own right. On her normal side, she is a Tactics 3 commander, which means she gets three Tactics tokens when she activates. She has Speed 6, Defense 6, Willpower 6, and Armor 8. She has Standing Water, which is, during scouting, create an additional friendly Tide Pool terrain piece. And Tide Pools are central to her theme. We'll get back to that on her Glory side in just a moment. Uh, she has a melee attack, grasping tentacles, it's a 6 versus defense, 2 inch reach, strength 3, or strength 5 if this target, if the target, if the fire team, if this fire team or the target is in base contact with the tide pool. And she has Siren's Call, tactical action, 7 versus willpower, 24 inch range. Target enemy fire team moves its speed toward this fire team or a friendly tide pool. So we're going to go ahead and take a moment to go to the rules and talk about the interaction of this with a squad. If you are facing against a squad, the way that it works is the fire team that you are targeting is going to move the full its full speed. All of the other fire teams in that unit will move up to half their speed. If any of them come into contact with something they cannot move through, i.e. not one of their own fire teams in the squad, um, something like a blocking terrain, uh, or an impassable terrain, uh, another fire team in a different unit, they are going to stop short. And if they stop short, all of the fire teams can only be within, can only ever get out of out of range of each other from 8 inches. So they have to stay maintain that 8 inch coherency. So even if that one is going to be pulled further, it the one that could go full speed is going to be fold further. It has to maintain coherency with the other ones. So this is her on her non-gloried side. Let's talk about her glory side, where she gets uh, utterly crazy. She goes, she's still going to be speed 6, still going to be defense 6. She goes up to willpower 7 and creeps up to armor 9. So she gets to be armor 9 levels of ridiculousness, and then gets even better. She gets lurking in the depths. Enemy fire teams consider this company's Tide Pool terrain pieces to also be Hazardous 3. So, those three Tide Pools that she gets to place down, all of those are now Hazardous 3 terrain that your opponent is going to have to interact with. With no harm to you. They're not dangerous to you, they're only dangerous to your opponent. That is huge. That gives you a lot of command of the board. And guess what? She gets to make more of them. So she's going to gain an action, which is a magical action that is also a tactical action, Endless Rain. It's a 6 versus 16, 30-inch range. Create a tide pool terrain piece within range and line of sight, not touching any enemy fire teams. So they can't be touching it, but they can they can be around it. So she gets Siren's Call. Siren's Call goes up to acting value 8 and gains a RAM. It's versus willpower, 24 inch range. Target enemy fire teams. moves its speed towards this fireteam or a friendly tide pool. Gets a margin trigger on come to me. Immediately increase the target's speed by 1 for this movement. This trigger may be declared multiple times. So for every margin of 2, she can spend that and gain plus 1 speed. Entrancing song, why the ram is there on this ability. When moving the target, you may move every other fire team in the unit the full distance. So now everybody's going to move the full speed towards her. They will all still have to maintain that 8 inch coherency, and again, if one of them gets stopped by something, they all have to maintain that 8 inch coherency. But that coherency is not measured until they have all finished the movement. So, pretty fun, pretty cool, amazing ability. And then remember that those tide pools that she's able to lure them towards, to Sirens Call them towards, are now hazardous three to them. And you are in control of that damage flip. So, you can cheat that damage flip. You can use a tactics token to flip that damage flip, to flip an additional card on that damage flip. You have a lot of control there to do horrible things to your opponent, and it's wonderful. That's your ranged attack, and that also sets you up for everything you can do to your opponent with your melee centric force. Additionally, you're still going to have your grasping tentacle. You're going to gain a trigger on it, which is throw the scraps to the young, which is a friendly fire team within three of this fire team gains a reinforcement token on a successful attack. So, that's pretty fun. That's kind of the box set contents in a nutshell. Let's talk a little bit about the assets that are available to the Queen Bee. And by that, I mean the Storm Siren. So, her specific one is the Conch Shell, the Conch Horn. Uh, It has Whispers from Meridin. Fire teams in this unit may discard tactics tokens to reduce damage against them by one per token discarded. So she has the ability to not have to be right next to her units as long as she has tactics tokens to go ahead and shuck damage. Pretty strong, uh, really, really good. Additionally, she has From the Depths. When a friendly squad is summoned as a result of the endless numbers ability of your allegiance, you may discard an additional tactics token to summon it in base contact with a tide pool piece of terrain, instead of your deployment zone. Special note here: well ones that are summoned into a tide pool can still make the movement off of the that uh, off of endless numbers, uh, so they still get to move twice their speed from the tide pool. So really strong ability has disable too, uh, so she can prevent two damage with it when she breaks it. Uh, and then on her da- on the damage side of the asset, it's going to just prevent one. Uh, a couple of ones to consider with her. I am a big fan of Relics of Ancient Malifaux with her in the box set. When I, what that does is it gives her a magical attack. Uh, it's not really an attack. It's a magical ability called Healing Magic. It's a 4 versus a 10, 16-inch range. Target-friendly fire teams gain a reinforcement token. It may immediately reinforce so this is out of activation reinforcement. So you're going to go ahead, give them, a, give them a reinforcement token, which they can immediately spend to reinforce. So they're immediately put two dudes back into the unit. So if they have two full units, they're going to get one additional fire team, or two full fire teams, and they're missing that third fire team. They're going to get a fire team back with two guys on it. Pretty strong. And then on a margin of five, you get to take this action again. So... When they come, when you summon something back, it comes back as a single fire team with three guys on it. Healing magic lets you get these these squads back up to speed quickly and really start winning that attritional battle. So I am a big fan of relics of ancient Malifaux for her in the box set games. It's one that I almost always put on her because it interacts with endless numbers so well. Uh, keeps her she's gonna be able to to maintain kind of being back and being oppressive against your opponent without being in any real danger. You can keep your guys forward because she's gonna be able to reinforce them from sixteen inches away. Pretty strong, pretty amazing synergy for the box set as a whole. So let's talk about how another one that I consider heavily with her is also uncanny instincts. This is, again, a Malifaux asset uh, that I'm a big, big fan of. It gives her cunning. When this unit activates, you draw a card. Uh, You may discard that card to draw another card. Uh, So it gives you, if you draw one, you can go ahead and and discard that to draw something better, potentially. Uh, Also gives her inhuman reflexes. Fireteams in this unit cheat fate second. Uh, If the opposing fireteam is inhuman inhuman reflexes, both abilities are ignored. So this is a two-cost upgrade. So you are paying for this. But it does give her quite an advantage on the battlefield when you are facing some of these other, other units. Simply because she's going to be able to see exactly what you've set your number to before she has to set her number on the attack. Pretty strong. Uh, I am I'm quite a big fan of this. Additionally, it gives her card draw. And card draw is huge, especially in the One Commander game. Because it just gives you more options because your tokens are so limited. And again, she's got a one token advantage on everyone. So there's a lot going on in the Jibbering Horde's box set that may not be evident to you if this is your first time playing the other side. So there are a lot of advantages to your force that is a little bit undercosted for what some of the other starting forces are. That said, you have assets that more than make up for that difference. So we're going to go into it with the assumption that we're going to take the two, you know, we're taking our starter box, so we're taking our two units of Striped Skulkers, that's 14 points, Storm Siren is giving us 25, so we have 11 points to spend. We are spending eight on our Karkanoi, and then we're going to go ahead and spend three, two on Uncanny Instincts, and one on Relic of Ancient Malifaux now you can you can totally be fine with taking conked horn instead of uncanny instincts i'm not gonna yell at you i'm not gonna be mad at you i think that's a fine fine trade and to each their own i am a bigger fan of the uncanny assets or uncanny instincts and relic of ancient malifaux as my default combo in the starter box so when i'm talking about the game we're going to default that you're going to take Relic of Ancient Malifaux, and you can kind of season to taste on what your other two-point asset is going to be. But remember, you have to spend all your points, because any points you don't spend don't give you any benefit. So let's talk about what your first turn kind of looks like in one of the operations. So we're going to talk about a non- pitched assault operation well let's talk about scavenge so let's talk about how you as a gibbering Horde player are going to interact into scavenge with your starter box so one of the things that you'll want to do is when you're deploying your forces one make sure you have no clean fire lanes to you as much as possible uh, you want to make sure that the Storm Siren is going to have a kind of a nice place where you can see out into a ri- wide portion of the field. You're going to want to make sure your Tide Pools are in relevant places. Um, typically around the two central objectives is a good place to be because your opponent's going to have to come into those, and you're going to want to be there. And your two of your units have massive advantages when they're touching terrain and Tide Pool Marker Tide Pools, our terrain pieces. Additionally, your Storm Siren turns those into hazardous terrain for your opponent. So your opponent's gonna need to be there anyway. So if you can make their the place where they want to be hazardous to them, you are again helping earn more of your attritional advantage. So now we kind of see where the tide pools are going to go. What you want to do is have your Kirknoi sort of behind and positioned around so that if they were to spawn, say, three egg clutches in the coming turn, you could uh, have each of your units, the the two striped skulkers, and most importantly, the storm siren, be within three inches of where they come out, where they're going to spawn out of, to uh, go ahead and go to glory. So your first activation in the game is going to be the Karkanoi, who are going to all, each, each of the fire teams, the three fire teams, are going to take a try at summoning the Egg Clutches. And the reason they're doing that is so that there is an easy way for your units to get to glory without, uh, without losing guys. Now, a couple things to watch out for is, if you are facing against Abyssinia, Abyssinia is not going to be able to reach you with their mainline weapons. They will be able to reach you with their prototypes, depending on what they've taken and depending on how far they move up. So you need to be cognizant of this. It may be wise in that particular matchup, just because of the speed involved and the fact that you're going to be glorying pretty rapidly, thanks to this little trick that we're talking about here in this particular operation and matchup, to kind of measure, and just be a little bit back from the actual starting line. Two, three inches can save you from the 24 inches that their rocket can go ahead and do to you uh, when they're shooting. So it's something to keep in mind. Something, Something to consider and something to think about while you're playing. Additionally, you can utilize those tide pools to go ahead and make that a very dangerous distance for them. So, what you want to do, again, is to get those egg clutches up as quick as you can. And then the next unit you want to activate is going to be your Storm Siren. The reason you want to do that is your opponent is going to be marching towards you. And they're going to be marching towards your tide pools. You want to make those things dangerous as quickly as possible so that they are relevant to your opponent's decision-making. You don't want your opponent to be already past them, and then you turn them hazardous. And then it's all about the ones you can bring down next, not the ones that are already there. So that's, that's some consideration to, to think about as you're, playing, as you're playing through this particular scenario. Again, which is a scavenge, which is, for those that don't know, there are going to be two objectives on the center line. The opponent is going to place one in their side of the table. You're going to place one on your side of the table. And each of these are going to have a different value. The ones that are on your respective side of the table are worth one to you. The one on your opponent's side of the table is worth three to you. The two neutral ones in the middle are worth two for each of the ones that have been have been taken. So it's really about getting you to fight in the center, overwhelm, and then be able to get to that third objective. Now there is a little bit of spice in the, in the game in that the player that is down... At the end of the turn, if they have a tactics token available, because again this is the end of the turn, after scoring but before moving into the next turn where new tactics tokens would be generated, you can discard one of those tactics tokens and remove one of the objectives. So, a little bit of play in there. Uh, it's kind of a, a, a way to ensure that if somebody is starting to starting to lose, they have the ability to, to redefine what it where the relevant portion of the battlefield is and stop the opponent from getting potentially some easy points. So that's part of your consideration when you're thinking about this particular scenario, this particular op- So that sort of methodology, that sort of early turning, is relevant for pretty much all of the operations, with the singular exception of Pitched Assault. And the reason Pitched Assault, I would caution and warn against summoning any of your uh any of the egg clutches is because the egg clutch is two points to your opponent if it is eaten for glory or killed because it is a fire team and it is a unit and when a fire t- first time a fire team is gone for the turn your opponent is going to score a point point. and the first time a unit is killed for the turn they're going to score a point so if you go ahead and the first thing you do is to glory a unit by eating, said Fire Team Squad, you have gone ahead and given your opponent two points, and you are now down. Now this does allow you to potentially get your to get your stratagems at a lower cost because you're currently losing. However, you do have to then make those points back up, so it can be it can be a dangerous game. It's not something to always do. It is not something to always avoid, but it is something to consider when you are doing it. So, I would be very cautious about going through the the normal glory activation that I've kind of outlined for the starter box. So, pitch to salt is another operation. And this particular operation as we've kind of been talking about is all about killing off your opponent's fire teams, your opponent's units. And your Your box set is pretty good at killing things. It's also pretty good at getting killed. So we have to approach it a little bit differently. One of the things that you want to focus on when you're playing this box is trying to kill your opponent's units completely. You have an attritional advantage, and that is because of how Endless Number works. So with your ability to bring your units back, and then of course with you having taken the the Storm Siren, and having taken a Relic of Ancient Malifaux, you have a pretty good uh, ability to go ahead and get that unit up to a better fighting strength than it would be otherwise. And then you have some ability, because you've got striped Skulkers, that those units can kind of deploy wherever they want to it deploy. It's not in the opponent's deployment zone, so they have a lot of tactical flexibility and a lot of ability to force your opponent to have to think about them and deal with them differently than they have to deal with the other box sets. You're attacking the game slightly sideways. Not as sideways as Cult of the Burning Man, but sideways nonetheless. The other and exceedingly overlooked portion of Pinched Assault is you need to hold the objectives, uh, hold more objectives than your opponent in order to score three points. Now this tends to be some of the max points you can score in this particular scenario, particularly on the box set style, because typically you're gonna be able to you or your opponent is gonna score a maximum of three points total, and that would be if you can kill a fire team, kill a fire team within six inches of an objective marker, and kill a unit completely. If you do that in a turn, you get three points. Well, if you hold more objectives than your opponent, you get three points. So, one of the things you want to do is force the opponent to be fighting over those markers with you. One, they're going to have to come into you in order to do that, because you're going to try and set that line of battle, and your point is to try and get those two markers activated every turn in your favor, or at least getting more than your opponent has every turn. That's really what you're trying to do. So there are things you can do to achieve this. You can place your, your uh, tide pool markers in the rear towards the enemy's deployment zone and then have the storm siren lure them back so that they're constantly being pulled away from your front line that you've established with your striped skulkers and your karkanoi coming in off the rear. You can pull things into you so that you can overwhelm them uh, within six inches of the marker so that you're getting maximum points when you're doing that. Your game is going to be highly positional, and it's always going to be highly positional with your force because your main advantage is the fact that you have the Storm Siren who can basically push and pull units where they're needed based on your type pool placement. And that's going to be really critical to your success in this operation because it's all about distance to and from the markers and getting those markers lit for your side so you can maximize your points every single turn because you are going to give up a certain number of points every turn because you're armor five. You just are. You are not the strongest kid in this fight in the box sets. That said, you do have a lot of ability to mitigate some of that with the utilization of the Storm Siren, the utilization of the Tide Pools, and the utilization of your Stratagems. This is is going to be really critical for you as a Gibbering Hordes player, is the utilization of the Stratagems, particularly in Pitched Assault you've got to maximize everything that you're doing to maximize the number of points that you're getting every turn. And again, the best way to do that is to make it about the objectives. Force the fight, force them to come into where you have an advantage, which is your ability to swarm, your ability to go to a position, your ability to, having put these markers down ahead of time, to really punish the opponent for what is occurring in the game. This is this is this is a point I cannot overstate to you. Is you are an attritionally based faction. Endless number is where your real advantage comes from. Your units are pointed in a way that allows them to be recurred. Uh, if they had a little bit better stats, it'd be a little bit harder to allow you the level of recursion that is being given here, and. You have to understand that and you have to maximize it as the gibbering hordes player. And your box is going to take a little bit more finesse to utilize and maximize than some of your opponent's stuff. It just is. So bear with me while we kind of go through it. Some of the things you want to be doing is you're going to want to move forward fairly quickly and in a fairly covered manner, if possible, against ranged units. Range is going to be your main enemy uh, here, and that is because they're going to be able to take your units out, your fire teams out, before you can make contact with them. They just are. That's that's the nature of the beast that we have here. So your tide pool placement is fairly critical because that's going to allow you some dedicated cover area to advance under. And don't underestimate cover. It is, it is very strong in this game. Minus two to ranged attacks is no joke. That is That is a severe modification. That is a shaken token that you're not having to put on the opponent or spend. So keep that in mind as you're advancing, as you're picking your side of the table. And as you're placing your terrain, think about it, particularly your tide pools, Think about how you can utilize them both offensively in terms of turning hazardous with Storm Siren and defensively to protect your Stripe Skulkers and to make your Stripe Skulkers better as they find landing spots touching them and in and around them. Because that's going to bump their stats by giving them that additional card flip every single opposed duel when they're touching terrain. That's your advantage. That is... That's your portal markers. That's your 22-inch gun. That's your better armor. That is where your advantage lies. You have to maximize it. And that is what it takes to be a gibbering hordes player. And that is what this box set teaches. It teaches you positioning, the importance of the tide pools, the importance of your stratagems, and the importance of endless number. And pitched assault is really where all of those things culminate Because you have to balance it all around getting your points. But you do have, again, some advantages that we've touched on before. You're going to generate more tactics tokens than your opponents within a game. In a five-turn game, you're going to generate five more than your opponents do just off of your commander activating. That is a huge advantage, and you need to make sure that you are taking advantage of it at every single step. If you've decided to take cunning, That's a free card draw you're getting every single turn when your commander activates. So guess what? Jering Horde's commanders are pretty important. And you need to be understanding of that because that is kind of critical to how your faction functions. How your allegiance functions is going to be dictated on how well you play your commanders. And how well you utilize your unit synergy. So what are the synergies between the Stripe Skulkers and the Karkonite? Well, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. The striped Skulkers are the frontline in infantry, but what we haven't talked about is that the Karkanoi are designed as your finisher unit. You have one of them, because you're going to be using the superior mobility of the striped Skulker and its recursion to screen and block for the Karkanoi, who are going to come in with their Strength 4 AV6 because you're going to get a reinforcement token on them early and keep it on them to maximize their effectiveness into your opponent's infantry. So your stripes Sculkers are going to soften them up and the Karkanoi are going to deliver the Death blow. So your job is to keep your Karkanoi alive and well. And that is going to be critical to your success in each and every one of these operations particularly Pitched Assault, because they are going to be where you make where you leverage the difference in the stats, leverage the fact that your third unit isn't a throwaway unit, it is probably your most effective combat unit. And that is where you are different than the other box sets, and that is where your advantage lies. And so proper utilization of the Karks are going to be what sets you apart as a Gibbering Hordes player, on top of your ability to utilize Storm Siren and Siren's Call. So now that we've said that piece, let's talk about a couple of operations where you have a distinct tactical advantage, particularly in to the Earth-side allegiances, both Gibbering Whore, both King's Empire and the Abyssinian Box Set. I'm talking, of course, about Set Traps and Supply Cache. So set traps is a prime example of where your mobility and your ability to deploy deep after being killed off after having a unit killed off can be ultra critical. It's also where some units are going to shine that you might never have thought of, uh, particularly something that you can summon. So going back to are Kergonoi and their ability to summon egg clutches. Well, the egg clutches that you are you, that you are summoning turn 1 to go ahead and bring about uh, glory for your units. Can be brought back turn 2 and because of just some eggs, they can be deployed off that summon virtually anywhere. My suggestion to you would be behind your opponent the reasoning for this and set traps these little guys on turn three not the turn they come in but the turn after are fully capable of summoning so if your opponent doesn't waste shots killing those killing those eggs off that are sitting there doing nothing they're going to have on turn three uh, some wonderful set traps markers placed down on them while they're engaged with your front line units. And then you're going to be scoring a lot of points and your opponent is going to be sitting there sad. And that, my friends, is the power of set traps for gibbering hordes and their baseline interactions within the game. So now that I've given you that and now that the opponents all know about it, let's talk about some of the other ways you're advantaged. In set traps you get to bring your stuff back so as you're winning this attritional war you can go ahead and place your guys again because of these things are everywhere they can go ahead and deploy deep and once they're deployed deep they can go ahead maneuver a scurry behind your lines continue to dig deeper into your lines and then place markers or if you've broken through they can deploy back and start to undo all the work you just did additionally storm Stiren can help just police you back by pulling you towards tide by pulling your your opponent squads towards tide pools on their side of the board leaving you free to eat up any of the set traps that they have placed on your side Again, you are very much suited to this particular operation. This is one where your box set has, again, a distinct advantage. Because they're going to have to come to you in order to score. And if they do that, your attritional advantage can lock them up, eat them up, and then you can win in the later game. You are a faction that wants to go the full distance of the game. You want to play... The full five turns, because your real advantage comes as the game progresses. Again, because of how endless number works with your faction, with your allegiance, and your box set in particular. So, another one that you are very good at is supply cash. And again, supply cash is a similar thing, except both of you are going to have two markers that you place down at the start of the game and then there's ones you can add. And again your ability to be able to summon egg clutches use those egg clutches to glory and then use those egg clutches to come up near their objectives that if they are not camping and are not taking shots away from your softer units to kill off these free units you've created that are now Resummoned back in a relevant position for scenario, they are going to have a bad time. And then, all those shots that are spent killing off the eggs, even if it's just one, is one that is not spent shooting relevant units that can interact and also have the potential to kill those squads that have been shooting at egg clutches because of what you've done. This is the power of your box set. This is where your attritional advantage can really take hold. And this is where your gamesmanship and gameswomanship can really come in to play. You can can be a phenomenal gibbering Hordes player, and the box set is going to help teach you how to do it. You have to think in a little bit different way, a little bit different dimensionally. And your box set is going to teach you that. You're not dealing with portals, but you're thinking both deep and close. And then you're thinking about the interactions of your box set with the stratagems that you have available to you. And you have some additional attacks that you can generate from your stratagems. You have the ability to have a unit charge, I'm sorry, rush, uh, without having it being activated for the turn. Uh, without counting as an Addisit's activation, you have a lot of potential for some extreme movement, some extreme threat, that your opponents just frankly don't have at the box set level because of your Stratagems. And that is, again, part of the power of your box set. Additionally, it's about leveraging the Karkanoi. The Karkanoi are massively important to... How well you perform with the box set again it all comes down to getting those reinforcement tokens on them making their AVs more relevant stronger and upping the strength of their scything claws then they get a whole bunch of abilities and the and the utilization of their summoning with the egg clutches they are such a critically important unit to fully understand your particular allegiance that one of the things you should do right now if you are considering uh, gibbering hordes or you have gibbering hordes is to go find your egg clutch card and just study it and then look at the rules look at the operations and fully understand that the egg clutch is a critical way that you are going to come at the scenarios sideways think about ways you can leverage them Think about ways you can leverage them into your larger lists when you're not summoning them in, but again, you're deploying them. And then you're doing those types of things from the start of the game. These are all the little things that add up to critical advantage for you within the game. You are an incremental advantage faction. Never forget that. You're an incremental advantage allegiance. That is what you do. You build up your advantage over time throughout the game. You're not going to get the advantage heavily early. What you're going to do is get a a partial advantage in the early game that is going to then start to transition into the late game. And ultimately, those things are going to be what carries you across the finish line. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the key stratagems for the single box game that I want you to consider. So one of the big ones for gibbering Hordes in the box set game is a a stratagem that I am a very big fan of for this particular allegiance and that is Spawning Moon now Spawning Moon is kind of a critical asset to understand it is not one to utilize very much on pitched assault, and you'll see why in a moment. Again, it comes back to that this is going to kill a fireteam unit that you've just summoned. That is going to give two points, potentially three points to your opponent because it's a killing a unit at the same time. We don't want to do that. But what this is is when you play this strategy, choose a friendly egg clutch fireteam and play. Discard any number of tactics tokens. You may summon a friendly Gibbering Horde's non-commander squad with one fire team. Into base contact with the Egg Clutch. These summon squads' cost cannot exceed two times the number of discarded tactics tokens. So if you discard three tokens on this, you can summon a unit up to six points. If you discard four, you can summon a unit up to eight. Uh, Once complete, kill the chosen Egg Clutch. This costs one for you to buy. So one tactics token upgrade. Um, another very strong uh, stratagem is Squall, and this is when you play the stratagem, all enemy units gain a pin token. So pin tokens negate reinforcement tokens. Uh, they also slow the enemy down by 2 inches for every single one that is on them when they declare movement. They have to discard them. So Jibbering Hordes, it's a, ta- it's a cost of 4 tokens, um, but it is a very strong effect. Uh, Another 4 token, one is Thunderstorm. Uh, When you play the stratagem, take the following action. Targeting enemy enemy fireteam anywhere on the board. Lightning Strike. It's a 7 mask versus speed. Strength 2 or strength 4 if the target is in base contact with the tide pool. Zept. You get to move the target up 3 inches in any direction. Instead of removing the stratagem from the game, you may discard a card. If you do, place the stratagem back in your hand. It cannot be played again this turn. So this is basically a super weapon. Uh, it comes down, takes a shot, and then moves a fire team up to three inches. That's pretty good on the whole. Um, again, for a card, it's going to go ahead and come back into your hand, so you can use it multiple times in a game if it's purchased early enough and you have that card to discard once you've utilized it. Um, again, onslaught is that one we we're talking about where target friendly non-commander squad immediately receives the rush order. Uh, this does not count as unit activation for the turn Um, there's feeding frenzy all units gain an inspired token they may immediately refresh this is a cost of three which means if you're down it's only a cost of two this is a great way to get back into a game if you've had heavy losses Uh, all of a sudden it means if you've got some reinforcement tokens on your units they're going to go ahead immediately reinforce and they're going to gain inspiration an inspired token that is pretty strong um, heavy rains very cool one create a friendly tide pool terrain piece anywhere on the board not touching any enemy fire teams but they're going to be touching your fire teams uh, place the stratagem back in your deck it's cost of three um, so the ones that i would heavily consider for the box set are taking heavy rains I would be taking Feeding Frenzy, I'd be taking Spawning Moon, I'd be taking Thunderstrike, or Thunderstorm, and I would go ahead at that point and look at two from the from the Malifaux um, set. And this comes in your box set, so don't worry, you have access to these. The two I would look at very, very heavily are... A disorienting spell, that's again a cost three. When you play the stratagem, name an order. When the opponent next has an option to activate a unit this turn, they must instead pass without discarding a card. This force pass does not count when determining whether or not the activation phase ends. When the opponent next gives an order this turn, it cannot be the named order. Place this stratagem back in your deck. This is an amazing stratagem. This for this allows you to go with multiples of your units before your opponent gets to go. And that, my friend, is true power. Because you can swarm them, and you can help prevent retaliation against the units that are going or activating at that time. Pretty strong. Uh, additionally. Another strong one to consider would be Reveal the Horror and Truth. This is a tactic. This t- costs four. Target three units anywhere in play. Remember, in a box set game, there's going to be about four units per, per side. Uh, so you can get 75% of an opponent's team in a box set game. Again, one commander box set. Each targeted unit gains a shaken token. If any of those units has all of its fire teams... Completely on your side of the table, and it is in glory, that unit flips from glory. That's pretty strong. You can de glory a unit that is already on your side of the board and allow you to help catch up. Uh, another one to highly consider would be fear behind the eyes. Uh, when you play this stratagem, all enemy units with at least one fire team engage with the fire team. It considers an enemy gains a shaken token. So your entire way that you do damage is going to be through being engaged with the opponent and doing engagement attacks. This allows you to go ahead and throw Shaken Tokens on all of those units that you are engaged with, thus upping your chance to do some damage and hit with your lower standard models. A great one to consider. Also very strong, Domination. Uh, If at least one enemy unit has been killed this turn, gain one victory point. Place the stratagem back in your deck, cost of three. So it's a way to utilize the fact that you're good at killing things for additional victory points. This one I would highly consider in your particular stratagem deck. Um, I think it can be a way to utilize and leverage your advantage better uh, than you could be otherwise. And sort of gives you some great tactical flexibility in the game and and lets you leverage the fact that you're going to generate more tactics tokens of your opponent when you're all playing a box set. So those are the things I want you to consider with Jibbering Hordes. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Coordinated Strike. Uh, Please feel free to give us a chat uh, at email at cheatedfatesjoe at gmail.com or you can reach me on Twitter uh, at cheatedfatesjoe uh, and remember, when you have a tactics token, you can make a coordinated strike. Baby, Shark! doo 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 baby, shark, baby, shark, baby, shark, baby shark. Mommy, Shark!